the lesson is from Jonah 3, verses 1 to 10. It's on 928, page 928. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days. On the first day Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself in sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. Then he issued a a proclamation in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows, God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw saw what they, they did and how they turned from their evil ways, He had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. Let me move that one out of the way a bit. I really like the story of Jonah, and I see quite a bit of myself in this story. I think there's something in it that we can all relate to. We see Jonah move from disobedience to brokenness, to distress, to thanksgiving, to frustration and anger, and he even questions God. In chapter 1, Jonah receives a word from God. He's told to go to Nineveh and speak out against the evil in the city. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was told by God to head up to London and speak out about the evil going on the streets of the city, I possibly would not be that keen to do that. I would be quite fearful for my life. And I would probably do as Jonah did and head in the other direction. I like that Jonah pretty much says to God, yeah, I hear your plan. Now, how about this one instead, the one where I stay alive? So he does, in his disobedience, what I think most of us might be tempted to do. He turns 180 degrees and heads in the opposite direction as quickly as possibly can. I wonder if God thought to himself, okay, Jonah, you can go that way. Let's see how it goes for you. Why is it that we often think when God calls us to do something that we're not too keen to do, that we think that we can run away from God and somehow escape his presence? And it doesn't go very well for Jonah, does it? He is thrown out of the boat into the sea. 
and as he sinks, he gets swallowed by a great big fish. We often see this scene as God's judgment on Jonah, but actually this fish saved Jonah's life. This fish is a sign of God's love and mercy, as well as a sign of his displeasure with Jonah's rebellious choices. So Jonah is broken and distressed. And I wonder, as he sat inside that fish for three days, whether he considered that maybe, just maybe, God's plan might have been better than his own. I like to think at the end of the three days, God thought, I kind of knew that wasn't going to work out. Are you now ready for my plan? So Jonah is inside the belly of this fish for three days and three nights, and finally he prays. He comes before God and he cries out to his creator. And we see that Jonah prays scripture to God, maybe because he didn't have any other words to pray. And we can do the same thing. We can be in the middle of our own storm and not know the words to pray or how to pray. But we can do the same as Jonah and ask the Spirit to help us and use what the scripture has given us. In running from God, Jonah discounts himself from delivering the word God has called him to speak. We don't read why until the end of the book. We know that Jonah's not such a great guy, and the message that God wants him to deliver is one of forgiveness and reconciliation for the people of Nineveh, Jonah's very enemies. Maybe he feared for his life, was concerned for his reputation as a prophet. Maybe he had a different image of what the life of a prophet was, and this definitely was not it. Maybe he thought no one would listen. Maybe he thought they didn't deserve it. Whatever the reason, he flees and he runs or tries to run from God's presence. How many times do we get a sense of God wanting us to do something, but our response is to both run from the call and to try to run from God? Why do we find it that hard to say to God, you know what, I know what you want me to do, but it terrifies me and I really need your help with it. Do we think that God is going to chastise us like naughty children or become angry and shout at us, send us away from him? No, God is our loving father who cares for us. He is patient and slow to anger and he wants the very best for us. He will guide us as we are obedient to the call he has placed on our lives. Sometimes I think that God is simply asking us, do you trust me? You might think that I'm asking you to do this massive thing which you don't feel equipped for, but do you trust me? I want you just to think for a moment what it is that you have in your hands. Not this very moment, but what? In Exodus 4, God asked Moses, what have you got in your hands? And all Moses has is his staff. God uses what Moses had. And God will use whatever it is that we are willing to offer up before him. We each have different calls on our lives and they should be celebrated and championed by our church family, not compared with each other as being more worthy. But the calling that we do all have is the same, is to love God and to love our neighbour. Can we do that? Because God will do the rest. I wonder what your expectation of the life that God has for you is. Do we only want the nice, cosy, comfortable, happy lives? Jesus said that following him gives life in all its fullness and gives us an abundant life. Yet this isn't a guarantee of a trouble-free life. All the disciples, bar one, was martyred for their faith. The purpose of life is not happiness, but the kingdom of God. 
So Jonah, smelling rather fishy, is now ready for God's plan. He is ready to be obedient and to trust God. He has remembered who God is and he remembers God's character. He has come back to God and is equipped to go out and fulfill the calling that God has for him. How many times do we feel that we're not capable to do what we feel God is asking us to do? I can't do that. I haven't got the words, the confidence. Someone else would do it better. They have more authority. God, please just use somebody else. Yet God knew that Jonah was capable of fulfilling the purpose he had for him because he had already placed in Jonah what he needed. Yet Jonah doubted it and he ran away. All that God asks of us is that we offer back to him the gifts he's already placed in us and he will do the rest. He will multiply what we have to be sufficient. All that's required of us is to be obedient and willing. Can we do that? Can we do that with the parents at school who we want to hear Jesus? Can we love them and be Jesus to them? God will do the rest with your friends at school. Can you love them and be bold enough to be different from the crowd? God will do the rest. With the colleagues that you see every day at work, can we speak positively of others in front of them? God will do the rest. With our family members who don't yet know God, can we be Christ to them? God will do the rest. With those grieving or struggling with poor mental health, can we be Jesus to them? God will do the rest. With those family members facing relationship breakdown, can we offer loving support? God will do the rest. All that God asks us to do is take a step towards him and he will guide us on. Maybe the question we need to ask ourselves is, what if we weren't afraid anymore? Bob Goff said, throughout history, God has spoken three words more often than any other when the people he loved were scared and confused, lost or lonely, paralyzed or stuck. In those times, he usually didn't make a big speech. He just said to his people, be not afraid. What is it that you think that you can't do? What do you think is too big for you or too scary or too risky? Sometimes God whispers it and sometimes he shouts it. Whatever the volume, I bet he is still using the same three words with us. Be not afraid. Because what are we capable of if we are no longer afraid? If any doubts we have, we take to God and say, I'm struggling with this. Can you help me? I don't know what to do. Can you help me? And the lesson that we can take from Jonah, instead of running from God's presence, we need to run towards God. We need to stay in relationship with God and keep a dialogue going so we can recognise his voice and the call he's placing on our lives. I need some children. I need some children. Can you help me as well? You're an older child. Can you help me? Uh, I have some sweeties for people. Now, can you take some sweeties and can you go and give them to some people? And then when you run out, can you come back and I'll give you some more? So you might need some bigger hands. Can you help me too? Otherwise we'll be here for a very long time. You take those ones. You're going to go and give some people some sweeties? Yeah. Go on, again. Take a handful. When you run out, come back and get some more. Is that okay? A bit more? Lovely. Come back and get some more. 
It would have been very easy for me to just give them both the box of sweets and then they wouldn't have had to come back and get some more. But I often think that we question God and we want the whole full picture. We want to know, you're calling me to do this, I want to know exactly how this is going to play out. But often God gives us just that one little step. He says, do this step, take that Do that step, when you've done that step, come back to me and I'll let you know what the next bit is. And by doing that, by getting them to come back to get more chocolates, we build relationship. I can check in and see how is it going. Good. Are people saying thank you? Yes. Okay. (laughs) And we build relationship. The more that they come back, the more that relationship grows. And that's like the same with God. But he could easily give us that big full picture... In that there's no relationship, is there? There we go. Has everyone got a sweet? How are we doing? Good. Have you given your mum and dad one? No. No. Make them wait till last. Amen. There we go. Which one? There we go. Brilliant. Thank you, Linz. There's so much. You said so much in such a short space of time. And uh, if I just get the band to, to come up. <clears throat> For me, I think this, this um, whole sermon series about count me in um it's so tempting isn't it to limit ourselves by our own shortcomings when there's so many things we could be doing um so many things that call to and we just think no i'm just i'm not good enough or i'm a failure and uh it can be that we worship at the altar of our own failure of our own insignificance rather than God's significance. So just as the band play, we're not going to sing. Um, let's just offer to God our, the things that Jonah would said. Maybe it's our failure. Maybe it's our insignificance. And instead of altering at that, wor- that uh, worshipping at that altar, worship at the altar of God's significance, where we offer up who we are.